I'm joined by Isaac Nicholson, co-founder and CEO of Circular Systems. Thank you so much for joining me, Isaac. Thanks for having me. And uh, for anyone who's watching this on YouTube, you are taking this call from where exactly? Well, I'm actually in my car out in front of my house because we're here in this interesting moment in history uh, where the whole world is homebound. And uh, so, of course, my my young daughter inside would love to interrupt the podcast more than anything. So taking it from the car here in this nice little enclosed soundstage. Well, it's excellent. The, the sound quality is good. And hopefully uh, the uh, the interruptions will be kept to a minimum in that case. Um, but yeah, we are in a very interesting time as we were talking before we started recording um, just with, with all the coronavirus going on. And I guess um, the way I, I typically like to start these conversations is sort of just to get a bigger picture of what it is that, that Circular Systems is doing. So the, the question I like to ask is really, what problem are you solving? Well, we're we're working in a pretty holistic way to solve some of the biggest problems in the sector that we know, uh, which is textiles and fashion. Mm-hmm. And really, it's about creating resource efficiency and um, moving beyond a goal of zero impact in our industry and moving forward toward a much higher goal of beneficial impact mm-hmm. through our manufacturing. And we've really been pushing that narrative uh, or this new really clear goal of regenerative impacts uh, in the space at a high level and working with a lot of the C-suite of of really large companies around the world to put this um, new goal in place. And uh, that, you know, that makes zero impact a very important milestone or maybe a KPI in route to, in route to regenerative impacts. And uh, I think it creates a new clarity of goals that we really need as an industry and as a species uh, to get where we have to go, which is fixing things. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And so it's, it's um, fit when you say fixing things, I said, I mean, the, the area that you're focused on specifically is fashion. Yeah, it is um, with a lot of implications into natural systems and and industrial systems that extend beyond just fashion right mm. the direct tie-in of fashion to the oil industry and into big agriculture and the related gmo and chemical monopolies in those spaces um you know it it can't be understated so the direct linkage into other really destructive industries that fashion helps propel and has for many decades um, is is part of what we're really looking at. Yeah, it's interesting because fashion, for some reason, when I when I first started embarking on my sustainability journey in terms of speaking to uh, who I like to call sustainability champions, um, I somehow fashion never really crossed my mind as a as a big kind of culprit in. Mm the environment. I, I guess it just wasn't something that was, it just somehow didn't connect in my yeah. mind. And the more I'm looking into it and the more I'm learning about it, the more I'm realizing actually it's huge. And uh, in some ways I'm, I'm starting to wonder if it's, if it's the biggest one, the biggest culprit. Well, it's arguably number two at, at least um, mm. right behind the petrochemical industry and somewhere neck and neck with 
agriculture and you know specifically livestock agriculture yeah. combo right the way that that's run now um but yeah it is in the top three for sure impact spaces in the world and um and then it does have its direct tie-ins to those other two systems right and helps perpetuate those impacts as well so how do you how do you solve the issue i mean what does circular systems do and you're saying fix you know fix the problem so what are some of the what are those things yeah look like? so we have a set of technologies and services that we're using inside the big doors of the industry meaning the the largest brands and retailers on earth and their mega supply chains to begin to introduce new forms of natural fiber uh, made from leftover biomass after food crop production. So what does that uh, mean? Or in, potentially um... also, well, in, in lay terms, that's crop waste, right? That's the, the stuff that's left in the field after you harvest the food, which is actually 60% of what's grown by weight. And that is um, generally burned around the world or left to rot in the tropics with the wetter crops. So what are some and of the examples all, of those? Um, you know, for example, it, here in North America, we have almost 2 million acres of oil seed flax uh, up around the Canadian border and the, and the prairies on either side of the border. Mm-hmm. That is burned every year. Um, because it's acres uh, are burned. considered not, yeah, and that's and that's just one crop. You know, it used to be that lots of of rice straw, wheat straw, um, all kinds of other crops were burned, and that's now illegal in California. Wow. Um, and and so people have taken other terrible measures to to begin to you know till the rice straw back in here in California. The 550,000 acres of rice straw in California is flooded four times to soften that straw enough to till it back in the next season, as opposed to burning it, which is what used to happen. And um, that, of course, is robbing the southern part of the state of a lot of water that's necessary for agriculture. And, um, you know, it's incredibly costly to the environment and, and to those farmers. And so that's really poor management of what is actually a really valuable raw material stream. It's just that we we have the wrong perspective on all this biomass that's left over after food production. We see it as waste. We treat it as such. It becomes all human health and climate impact mm-hmm. as a result. And if we shift our perspective and see all this incredible cellulose and fiber and pectin and lignin and all these incredible biochemicals that is the biomass um, as an opportunity, as a resource, not a waste stream, then we, we suddenly realize these massive opportunities, you know, and that's the fundamental difference in our lens, you know, looking at the world um, from a position that we see as the nexus of a fair, livable, viable place for the future and making all of our systems design and business decisions through that lens you know it's it's hard to make a decision that would create negative impacts on our lives when you're looking at it that way and that's what we're doing and um so that's one of the systems which we call the agri-loop and that's transforming agricultural waste into high value fiber products 
biochemical products, other industrial co-products. Um, this is our most future state technology, but it's been heavily supported by the industry, mm. truly accelerated. Um, you know, we won the global change award in 2018 for this technology, which is considered kind of like the Nobel prize of fashion. That's so um, cool. Yeah, it was a huge honor. Thank you. Yeah. Huge honor. But you know, it, it literally did propel this technology from concept to scaling over the last two years. Um, it was a year, it was two years ago this time that we received the award and, uh, we got a big grant and, um, that, that was applied to the technology development and initial scale up to make commercial fiber from oilseed flax and oilseed hemp initially. Mm -hmm. And, um, we're moving into a host of other feedstocks, you know, including things like banana and pineapple. Uh, we mentioned rice earlier, corn, soy, so many waste streams, um, that are actually incredible value streams. Um, I guess so the agro loop, yeah, please. It, yeah. Uh, I guess it's just, it's waste to the growers because for them, the valuable part is the actual, I mean, if it's oil seed, it's the seed, everything else is yeah. basically, there's nothing to yeah. it. I guess you can yeah, compost it. Maybe that's the best you can do with it. Or like you said, there's probably so much of it. You just have to. It's too much to effectively compost. It's too much to feed to animals. Yeah. Um, there's an overabundance of this incredible resource actually. And just a lack of infrastructure to manage it and productize it is, is what we see. Mm -hmm. So that's what we're actively building with the agro loop. So do and, you create uh, partnerships yeah. with the farmers? We do. Um, the business model is to engage um, local stakeholders, mm -hmm. the farming co-ops, the regional NGO, maybe local government, and uh, to license our technology there and um, really facilitate the, you know, the control and the empowerment of, of the people in that region with that business. And uh, we become the off-takers of the raw materials with the first right of refusal and, um, you know, do value added processing and bring that upstream to the global market. Hmm. Um, and so it's really as much a distributed economic model and a social movement as it is a, uh, regenerative way of making a new natural fiber. Um, the system is designed so that actually we're, only creating beneficial effluence. Um, normally, when you're processing um, a fiber crop like cotton or even hemp or linen, you're using sodium hydroxide, okay. which is the most prevalent chemical used in industry. It's used in a lot of different ways. It's a really strong alkali. Um, but what you're left over with, if you've handled your wastewater responsibly, is this massive pile of caustic salt that is a big disposal problem. In a lot of places in the world, that wastewater is not even handled responsibly and it's released back into the environment. And that creates all kinds of terrible chaos in the ecosystem. Wow. Yeah. And so we are doing things in a completely different way. Uh, we have a proprietary approach that's patent pending using a biochemical approach 
where instead of being left with these caustic salts that are a disposal problem, our solid waste is perfect organic fertilizer when we're done. So that goes right back to the farms to build soil, to improve the fertility cycle, to draw down carbon. And so we're not only preventing the carbon through preventing the burning and the rotting, but we're, we're actually creating um, you know, more carbon in the soil, driving that back into the farms and, and getting greater abundance uh, in the subsequent harvests as well. That's amazing. I mean, so that's why it's uh, yeah, that's why it's been so heavily supported. It's a regenerative systems design. Yeah, and that's uh, I mean that sounds very circular economy to me. Yeah, it's this is where circular and regenerative meet up. Um, so really helping foster the sustainable agricultural movement by bringing more income to the farmers for what was once waste. Mm-hmm. Uh, empowering those communities to to run their own agri-loop mini mill and and create these um, beneficial effluents, really co-products, as well as a bunch of really valuable fiber products. And uh, yeah, it's it's been so well received that I can tell you we've got uh, way more demand from here to eternity than we do production capacity. Um, I can't wait until we're over capacity. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's literally been called a carbon drawdown machine or a soil building machine. It's been called by um, the former CFO of Walmart, who now runs the Hong Kong research Institute of textiles and apparel, Edwin K called it the golden chalice of sustainability. So wow. What a term I think he was referring to the Holy grail or something (laughs) religious way, but, um, Oh man! You know, he also kind of used that statement to say that it's very far away. It's going to take you guys ten years to get this done. Was said in the same breath. We are beating him by a few years, and it's really nice to see him around at the you know these global industry events and say, "Hey, we're making some progress. I think we're going to get this done in seven years." Yeah, <laughs> that's so cool. So anyway, yeah, we're scaling right now with that technology. Um. We're going to see the first products in market later this year. Later um, in 2020. Yep. Um, and uh, as we roll out into 2021, we're going to see a bunch of different brands launching AgriLoop biofiber in their products. That's cool. So what that means um, in terms of like just on a, on a more day-to-day level, that means being able to buy clothes made of AgriLoop fibers? Yeah. Yeah. So you'll see hemp biofiber in the market uh with several famous brands okay um yeah starting off this fall and and just increasing throughout 2021 oh man that's so exciting and um does it does it feel any any different in terms of um uh in terms of the way it holds or i mean you know if i'm wearing a like 100% pure biofiber would i notice Yeah, we tend to blend it with organic cotton or safe man-made cellulosic like Tencel. Okay. Um, It's it's uh, linen-like. This is a bast fiber right now that we're we're extracting. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're just doing that from the food crop version of these crops, which allows the farmers the maximum income. It allows the land the maximum productivity, creating food first. 
and then taking that resulting waste stream and making the fiber from that rather than the traditional systems of linen and hemp, which have kept it so niche and so expensive where you're cutting the, the crop long before it goes to seed. And um, that's when the plant is very young and supple and, and the fiber can be more easily extracted. The fiber is softer. Um, once you start to go into flowering, the plant goes through a process called lignification. And that's essentially the sugars in the plant polymerizing and becoming rigid along with the fiber and the stalks to hold up the weight of the flower and the seed. Got it. Right. And once things are lignified, they become more brittle, more rigid. Mm -hmm. And the fiber bundles are literally glued together. And conventional processing and conventional wisdom says that's not going to make good textile fiber. But we've been really proving that to be a fallacy. That's that's not actually right. Um, that's with the, the right approach, you can make amazing fiber. That's the agro loop. That's so cool. So that's your technology yeah. is being able to actually use what was once considered unusable. Exactly, and and to do it in a a regenerative um, industrial processing way as yeah. well. That's so cool. Um, That's amazing. I can't wait to 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 try it out. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, when you see it in a product, um, you know, it's going to be pretty imperceptible for the most yeah. part, unless we really put a lot of that fiber in and we focus on the more coarse fiber varieties to get a visible hmm. fiber in there, which a lot of the brands are wanting, uh, <laughs> which is kind of ironic because we've spent the last, you know. 10 years with this technology working to make it as fine as possible and invisible in these blends. And now everybody's like, no, we want to see it. We love this yeah. rustic fast fiber look, you know, it's good marketing um, as well. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, we're happy to go with that suggestion. It's actually even easier for us, but the, the irony is pretty thick when we've been working so hard to make it so fine and soft and you know, it's like, Unnoticeable, no, give us the, yeah. yeah, give us the really noticeable stuff. Actually, yeah. Is what they're saying. Something so. you could have brought to my attention like five years ago when we were, <laughs> yeah. Might, it might've sped things up a bit. Yeah. 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 So that, so um, the, anyway, agri a huge opportunity. Yeah. The, uh, the agri loop is one of the things that you're, um, you're doing. So that, and that's an incredible, it seems like that alone is a huge impact uh, already. Um, what I'm, what I love is that you're not stopping there at all. You're, you're actually you, you have other products as well. Yeah. So the AgriLoop is the most future state technology, um, and thanks to a really huge quantum leap we made um, over the fall with some new partners in Europe. Um, it's actually now able to hit market at scale much sooner than anticipated. Mm. Um, we shaved maybe two years and $20 million off the project this last fall Wow! through some really amazing breakthroughs and really more through partnership and collaboration than anything else, mm. which is another one of our huge themes in this movement. Um, but yeah, we, we have other products that are already in market with our text loop recycled cotton what we call ARCOT. And um, that is the world's 
um, most high-grade recycled cotton yarn and fabric system. Um, again, this is a system um, designed to achieve qualities that are imperceptible in their difference uh, to conventional goods. Hmm. So the quality, you know, normally people have this misconception that recycled products are always going to be a lower quality. Yeah. And in textiles, that means lots of pilling, the little balls that appear all over your shirt a few days after you buy it. If you get a blended, you know, cotton poly or viscose poly product, that is usually going to happen in a matter of hours. Um, and that's generally been the problem with a lot of recycled materials. They're blending the recycled cotton fibers with recycled polyester staple fiber. And, uh, you know, the, the polyester tends to fall out of those fabrics and create that microfiber pollution in the world. Mm. But it also tends to pop out partway and get wrapped up with a little bit of cotton fiber on the end. And that's that pilling that everybody hates. But additionally, you know, the neps, the texture that's unwanted and inconsistent, the yarn strength, which requires running machinery slower for weaving or knitting, which is reduces the efficiency, costs more. Nobody likes that. So all of those things that have been really inherent in recycled products historically in the textile space is the convention that we're bucking actively in the market right now by bringing virgin quality product into the market that's truly certified recycled. And um, so it's that, you know, we have a really strict innovation criteria in the company and that's part of it. We're not satisfied with lower quality or lower performing products just because they're recycled or organic. Um, so we won't settle for that. We won't release a product that is that. But we, we also will only, you know, release a system or a product that is massively scalable and affordable, competitively priced raw materials. Because if it's not those two things, it just won't have an impact in the world. Yeah. Um, it has to be big and it has to be relatively low cost or the market won't take it up and use it in a meaningful way. So that innovation criteria is what's driven, you know, a pretty strict filter on what we release. Um, you know, that coupled with the fact that it must be truly recycled. It must be truly organic. Or at the highest level, it must be regenerative, like the AgriLoop biofiber. In in terms of the going back to the to the actual recycling element, uh, where what what exactly is it that you're recycling, or more specifically, where are you getting it from? Yeah, so we take textile waste from the big cut and sew manufacturers and the big fabric and yarn manufacturers around um, Asia, China, and Southeast Asia. Um, in the Europe production sector and here in LA, um, we carefully sort and, and um, make sure that these waste streams are really tightly controlled mm. and authenticated. Um, and that's, that's really how we get the level of quality that we're getting in our ARCOT premium products with TextLoop. Um, it's really tight sorting and, and really it's good in, good out in these types of systems, you know, 
that's our premium product, but we do have our classic and original products, which are made from, uh, you know, more conventional parts of the waste stream, you know, whether that be pre-consumer waste or blended textile waste, uh, cotton polyester, for example, the biggest category of textile waste in the world. Um, you know, this is largely burned around the, the world for heat energy to run um, people's boilers. And yeah, it's insane. Finally, what is the orbital hybrid yarn? To me, this the name of this sounds so <laughs> futuristic. <laughs> it is pretty futuristic. It's um, This is a new yarn spinning technology developed by our CTO to take these lower value parts of the textile waste stream, these blended products, cotton polyester, for example, and create higher value, higher performing yarns and fabrics from those lower value inputs. Hmm. So when we talk about heavily dyed and finished textile waste, uh, most post-consumer waste, um, anything that's a blend, what we're achieving when we recycle that mechanically are much shorter staple fibers than these really premium parts of the waste stream that we focus on for our high-end offerings. And those short fibers create all those problems I described earlier in yarns and fabrics. Um, and they also contribute to this microfiber, um, which is actually a misnomer. It's fiber fragment pollution that we're seeing now in such mass volumes in our water, air, and general ecosystem. You know, they're funding it in polar bear poop in the Arctic at this point. Crazy. You know, it's polyester fragments. So crazy. So when we recycle, we get, you know, very, very short fibers from some parts of the waste stream. Um, and in order to make strong, high performing yarns that do not pill, uh, the orbital system was developed and this is effectively bundling up those fibers more effectively in the spinning process to create a stronger yarn than many of the conventional virgin equivalents and to create a yarn that hits really high levels on the pilling tests. And, you know, even, um, to control the shedding, the release of these fiber fragments. And so it's really important in our strategy for how we apply the fiber resulting from the text loop recycling process. Um, you know, this is a, a really uh, intentional system. Um, if we get longer fibers from better parts of the waste stream, we can put that into conventional ring spinning or open end and create beautiful products. If we get shorter or more blended fiber out of different parts of the waste stream, we can put that in orbital and still achieve really high value, high performing products. It sounds like with these three products, I mean, you have basically the ultimate trifecta as far as whatever resource stream comes to you, you're able to do something with it that's productive, that's good for the environment, and basically diverts uh, diverts waste either from the landfill or from being burned or uh, you know being used in some other negative way because it's just seen as waste. Uh, so that's, that's really right. cool. Yeah, that's a really powerful position. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's um, it's the result of a long time of of working in the textile and fashion system. The three co-founders have all been, you know, we we've been we have a cumulative 75 plus years in the space 
And each of us for the last 20 plus years has been focused entirely on sustainability in our careers, which is pretty unique. Most people got into this a few years ago or maybe a decade ago if you're an old schooler. So we've really been, you know, banging our head against the wall of the industry for a long time um, until finally the door opened. And, um, you know, a lot of people were dabbling in this before the last economic downturn uh, in 2008 when Lehman Brothers collapsed. I can tell you I had a bunch of really huge projects that all got scrubbed. Wow. And uh, people went really quickly back to the quick and dirty route of production at that time. But what we're experiencing now is radically different. The big brands that we work with in the past few weeks have been doubling down on their commitments with us. Hmm. And this is a huge departure from what we saw 12 years ago. Um, this, I think, is a new response to what's coming, you know, uh, and and really to the market demand. You know, young consumers are demanding this and uh, the most important consultancies in the world, BCG and McKinsey, have been reporting repeatedly that the industry is doomed if it doesn't become resource efficient. That means uh, resource scarcity and regulatory pressure preventing any growth in the industry by 2030 and you know on the way there the the industry will be sliding off a cliff in in terms of profitability they're forecasting a net loss of ebitda of four percent across the entire space if we don't become resource efficient and that was before this crisis this is going to accelerate a lot of that and and what it's doing in our recent experience just in the last couple of weeks is it's actually accelerating the bigger players to dive deeper faster into this movement um so i'm really hopeful that that continues and that is the mo of industry right now that we don't run back to these quick and dirty you know old school manufacturing solutions yeah um really really hopeful that we take this for what it is which is a massive warning sign from mother nature yeah. kind of yeah, kickstart the process and and get things going i mean it, it must be very encouraging just to to see that even in times of crisis or or i guess especially and specifically in times of crisis actually business is getting better and better for you i think that's kind of i mean just what you said it's it's a signal or a sign that people do want to be more um conscious of of what's going on. And, and I guess they're, they're realizing that things actually can shut down. And if they do, it can happen very, very quickly. And so we may as well, uh, or not may as well, we, we have to be, we must be careful and we need to be, we need to think ahead uh, because yeah. yeah, otherwise it's just, uh, it can be really bad. That's true. Yeah. yeah uh, we're, we're seeing that motivation. I hope that it continues. Um, we're definitely not to the bottom of the market collapse or to the, the peak of this crisis. Um, but we do anticipate coming out the other end of this even more relevant than we were going in. Mm-hmm. And um, we're feeling that already. Not only have we gotten our biggest orders ever in the last couple of weeks from some of the biggest players on earth, uh, but we've also taken down significant investment. 
um, including on the day of, of the first shutdown of the New York Stock Exchange, March 9th, um, which seems pretty ironic. But if you look at it through the lens of people who have a lot of money to park in different places, you know, they're putting their chips down on what they see as the future in a moment where a lot of the old investments are not looking so good to say yeah. the least. Um, yeah. So we, we take these as really nice indicators of what's going on. Um, and we are really, really hopeful that that will continue, um, that people won't fall into this mode of despair and fear and reactive behavior and run right back to the worst practices to, to make some quick profits next quarter you know, as their mode of rebound. I, I just don't think that that's economically sustainable, much less, you know, sustainable for the habitat. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's where we see it heading. We're pretty, pretty hopeful that it will continue. I'm conscious of time. So I just wanted to, uh, one question I, I like to ask because you're doing so much with, with circular systems and uh, it sounds like you're just getting started and the best is yet to come. So that's really exciting on a, on a more kind of day to day level, just some inspiration, I suppose, which, um, what do you per do personally to be environmentally friendly, whether you're at home or in the office, just things that people can do, um, or that, you know, something I could do, uh, just to be, to support the environment. Yeah, thanks. I mean, really simple, practical things um, that everybody is aware of, you know, that I could underscore with my own behavior is, you know, well, right now I'm sitting in an electric car. Um, nice. I, uh, I'm really focused on not consuming single-use packaging anymore or any form of single-use plastics. Um, it's really become a taboo in my family and our, in our local culture, um, and the culture of our company, um, really focused on mindful consumption, hmm. voting with your dollar, buying products that are better quality, even if they're more expensive because they are either super durable or fully recyclable. Uh, and on that really positive and uplifting note, Isaac, thank you very much for your time. Um, for, for the people who are, who want to learn more about circular systems and the work you're doing, where can they go to, to find out more? Yeah, please go to circular-systems.com. If you just Google circular systems, you'll find us right away. You can find out a lot more there. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at circular systems. And uh, you'll be finding us in a lot of great retail doors pretty soon. Um, you can see it right now on the Arquette website, TextLoop Arcot, in uh, some of their knit tops. You can see it on the Outer Gnome uh, web retail as well. Orbital Chino is up there and some new products launching soon. Um, and then some of the bigger beastly brands out there, H&M uh, and Converse, uh, you'll be seeing a lot coming from them really soon. Right now, the Converse Renew collection is largely our materials. Um, yeah. So that's the beginnings of, of what's going to be much bigger programs in the months and years to come. That's awesome. I can't wait to see the impact that this makes. It's, it sounds like it's, it's going to be absolutely huge. So uh, that's, yeah, really great to hear. We're all rooting for you and, and can't wait to see your products 
everywhere. And some of the brands that you just mentioned, if that's just the beginning, then uh, this is going to be huge. It is just the beginning. And thank you so much for this opportunity. It's an honor to be here and oh, thank share you. today. That's really nice of you to say. Yeah, thank you so much, Isaac. Appreciate it. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, give us a five-star rating. And also, please subscribe, whether on your podcast app or on YouTube. And that way you can be the first to know about new episodes. Thank you very much and talk to you soon.